Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Um. Yeah, man. Durst we do it? Yeah, let's Durst. Let's Robert Durst it. Robert Durst. Oh, I'm excited for today's episode, I have to say. Oh, good. I'm excited that you're excited. Oh, yes, baby. I'm so excited that there's excitement happening that I think we should just go ahead and start. Welcome to Super Superstitious. The comedy podcast about the science behind spooky things. <laughs> I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And I'm going to keep changing are- it up. And you know why I'm changing it up? Because we've been saying the paranormal podcast about the science of the spooky for so long. And uh, it's redundant. Paranormal podcast, science behind the strange. It's, 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 you're hitting it twice there. It's true. It's true. We're getting more efficient with it then. Yeah, or at least you know more descriptive of all the parts of what the show is meant to be. I like that. I like that. Anyway, I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. <laughs> and we are back again. We are. This time, bringing you something new, something bizarre, something never attempted by any listicle TV channel or other form of pop media. <laughs> in my opinion, ever. That's right. And that is to say that we're doing the first in a sporadic but content-guaranteeing series of stories from around (laughs) the semi-sort-of-still United States. (laughs) That's right. It's time for... Yes, of course, this is the segment series in which Jake and I will bring you some kind of strange occurrence, story, paranormal phenomenon, what have you, from every state, but only one or two per episode, what am I saying? (laughs) We'll both do one, and between us, there'll be 25, plus maybe one or two more. And from there, we can go out into the cosmos, meaning every other country in the world. Yep, so we are guaranteed... uh at least like i don't know 80 more years of content yeah <laughs> something like that so we should be something good on that order at the rate we've been releasing uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as it is an even episode mm-hmm. you go first i do yes so i think we both kind of decided and maybe i'm misremembering that we're going to start with our own home states for this first uh, installment is that correct start from where we was raised cool so i actually kind of i've lived in multiple states over the years all of which i have found fun little stories about already and have been waiting to share so i was like god oh, maybe i should just use one of these ones i already have oh yeah because like Do i whatever. lived in minnesota missouri vermont new hampshire i'm actually from maine originally but i happen to have a longer story kind of locked and loaded and ready to go from new hampshire so do it up my true home state's gonna have to wait i'm gonna instead start with the state i lived in for the second longest by a Pretty wide margin. Arguably our friendship's home state. That's what I was going to say, is it's the home state of this podcast and our friendship. There it is. So, uh, New Hampshire. The first nice. account I have is from StanCourtney.com. Are you familiar? Stan Courtney? No. It's a website devoted mostly to Bigfoot sightings, but occasionally, Ooh. as in this instance, ventures into other territories. Uh, a reader oh. sent <laughs> the following to Stan. In the spring of 2003... I was visiting my sister who lives in Hampstead, New Hampshire. She Mm. lives in a somewhat wooded subdivision. It was early spring in New England and the weather had been fairly rainy. I would frequently go outside by myself to smoke cigarettes late at night. On the porch after midnight. On the porch after midnight. (laughs) Looking up where Hampstead is. Yeah, I did the same thing earlier too. Oh, it's not that far out there. No, it's, it's like just In down. In fact, one could say it's not far out at all. Yeah, it's down south, uh, kind of south 
southwest of where you and I lived. It's even in the Jabbar, which of course is the greater Boston area. <laughs> That's right. While I was outside, I would hear larger sticks crack and break on the forest floor near where I was sitting. On the forest floor? That's the one. Aha. I thought you said the fourth floor, and I was like, <laughs> I call that the canopy, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Uh, at first, I didn't think much of it. I'm a seasoned camper and just didn't think it was a big deal. I figured it was just an animal of some kind. This happened night after night. Then I noticed the sounds of something dropping out of the trees and an animal or being of some kind scraping on the bark a bit as it descended. Ooh. I tried looking for movement but saw nothing like an animal or anything. The floodlights were on every time I was out there and were brightly shining. There was a streetlight at the end of the long paved driveway off in the distance too. On subsequent nights, I took a flashlight and tried to shine it on whatever animal it might be, but to no avail. Even though everything was brightly lit, I saw nothing at all. I tried this night after night. The sounds were there every single evening without fail. I could hear them moving closer and closer to me the longer I was out there. Ugh. During the day, I looked for tracks and marks on trees or other evidence, but didn't turn up a thing. I picked up sticks and broke a few to see what size stick I was hearing. I ascertained that the stick diameter was about an inch. Mm. I had my 11-year-old nephew go out in the woods to jump on sticks and see if he could break some of them so I could check the way it sounds from where I was sitting, trying to judge the distance. <laughs> and a creature came out and tore his head off. <laughs> oh, you've already read this one. Okay. <laughs> he jumped on some, but because they were kind of moist, he could only break the smaller ones. He weighed only about 75 to 80 pounds. This told me that whatever it was weighs more than that. Mm. I could break the bigger ones by jumping on them, and I weigh 150 pounds. There are no animals in that area that are really large and could break that size stick based on the tests I did. Whatever it was would move in close to me, so I used my nephew to run around and make similar noises to gauge the distance in the daylight when they were at their closest. Uh, <laughs> they get busy. Yeah. They were about 20 to 30 feet from me at their closest. Another was more than one of them because I could hear one back beside the house and another one was in the front of, at the end of the driveway. They moved in very close to where I was, and I could hear them coming from two different directions. They were not visible with the naked eye at all. I tried to take some digital photos, but saw nothing discernible in the pictures. Hmm. My sister didn't have any window coverings downstairs. She loved the view of the trees, and I would sit at night on her computer surfing the web and chatting online near those windows. I frequently would get the feeling that someone was watching me. I wrote it off as just my imagination. Then there was the issue of the dogs barking and howling every night real late like they were hearing something. They were kept in crates in the basement at night. They would start their howling and wouldn't stop unless someone would go down there and make them stop. Hmm. They also would look out the windows late in the evening and start barking out behind the house and st as though something was there. We all thought it was just another animal or whatever and wrote it off. My brother-in-law decided to keep the dogs upstairs with him at night to keep them quiet. Mm -hmm. I was outside one night very late after midnight alone. I was up on the porch near the door. I heard them coming again. The floodlights were on and I could see well into the trees because there weren't too many smaller bushes in the way. I saw nothing but still heard them. No rustling, only sticks breaking. My sis had a few planters with flowers in them on a lower landing from where I was standing. It was in the really bright light from the floodlights and was only about 8 to 10 meters from me. Hmm. Some of the flowers in the planter draped over the side and hung out away from the planters. As I stood there, I watched the plants move to one side and then flop back as though something had brushed past them. What? Only nothing was there that I could see at all. There were no other sounds, like footsteps or grinding pebbles or grit. No wind at all. Hmm. Whatever it was had to come up the stairs to get to me. Oh, boy. I stood there shocked, running over what I had just seen in my mind briefly, got freaked out completely, went inside quickly, and locked the door. Everyone else was asleep in the house. I looked out the side window and saw nothing. Years later, my sister divorced and started dating again. Her new hmm. boyfriend and I were talking on the phone one evening recently, and the subject turned to the paranormal. I knew he is an avid New Hampshire hunter, so I asked him if he had ever heard of anything like this. He said that once, in November of 2003, he and five of his friends were out hunting on White Mountain, and all of them were, of course, armed. They weren't strangling deer with their bare hands like real hunters do. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they had set up camp for the night and made a fire. As they were all sitting around after midnight, getting settled for the evening, they started hearing the stick breakers, breaking sticks mm. all around them, but no rustling leaves at all. Mm. They didn't see anything and couldn't figure out what it was. They did try to shine their flashlights and see what was out there, but saw nothing. All five got spooked and decided to turn in for the night, and when morning came, they decided to move their camp farther up the mountain, closer to where they knew a larger group was set up. They all decided to not talk about the event after that day, and they decided to never go back again either. 
I was so glad to hear that someone else had experienced the stick breakers. Now, at least I know I'm not nuts. Wow. That's spooky. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes me think of that exact legend, I guess. (laughs) But isn't that an old school New Hampshire folklore legend kind of thing? Spooky. Well, that's where I'm headed with this, Mr. Shell. Mr. Dr. Shell. God damn it. Keep doing that. Please get it right or I will (laughs) quit this show. I'm a credentialed man now. Uh, Man of letters. (laughs) <laughs> Those letters are specifically A and plus. <laughs> just like my blood type. Me too. Oh, wow. are you really A positive? Yeah. No shit, man. I just, we just did our blood types. We are both A positive. Well, look Turns at out that. you and I. We can all bathe in each other's blood. We can bathe in each other's blood. We're co-donors, my man. That's so exciting. Nice. Wow. I knew there was something I liked about you, despite everything else. <laughs> Okay, uh, so I chose I chose the story because it fits many of the char- uh, of the correct characteristics. But that story I just read is maybe only loosely related to my actual topic. Hmm. Hampstead is way in the southern part of the state, as we established, and the phenomenon in question lurks in the northern uh, northernmost county of New Hampshire, mm. that is Coos County. Mm. Are you familiar with the Wood Devils? Yes, I am. Oh. Uh-huh. Cool. Coos County, home of madness. Madness? Wasn't that what the Joker was talking about in all the Batman movies? I want to bring Coos to the world. <laughs> I think I think you're right. <laughs> so uh, I'll give you a little more description of uh, Wood Devil stuff. This is composited from a few sightings reported on BigfootEncounters.com, which I know it's a Bigfoot website, but we'll, we'll go through um, it says, many years ago, I lived up in Coos County in New Hampshire. Some of the old men would talk about things called wood devils that lived in the back wo- uh, lived in the woods. These wood oh, devils yeah. were tall and very skinny. They're gray in color with hair covering their bodies. I guess the people saw them mostly when they didn't expect to see them. These creatures generally stayed in the deep woods. They have the ability to run with great speed on two legs, so they're not bears. When a person walked through the woods, he would nearly walk into one before he spotted it. They hide by standing upright and staying completely still against a tree. They freeze. As a person passes, it will move so that the tree is always between the person and the tree. Mm-hmm. Wait, no. <laughs> they were the right. So it's always between the person and the wood devil. <laughs> if it cannot hide, it will stay perfectly still until it knows the person sees it. They make awful screams. They have a semi-human shape, but their faces don't look at all human. I have never seen one, but the people who said they did were regular churchgoers and would strap their kids for lying. I don't think they would carry on discussions of things they made up. Evan Lichnowski writes that off Nash Stream Road, there is a trail called Dummer Pond Road. Dummer Pond Trail. Might be, might be Drummer Pond Trail, but it was spelled D-U-M-M-M-E-R, so I, I don't trust <laughs> what they were going for. Um he and his former wife, Edith, were walking that trail, watching the sunrise, when a dark, foreboding figure of a man crossed over the trailhead in front of them. For a short period of time, he says his mind didn't recognize what it was until the hair and barefooted appearance finally sunk in. Hmm. By the time they both said, did you see that? The creature was gone, and the couple was left to try and sort out what they saw. Lichnowski also included the above wood devil story, unique to the resident woodsman in the area, via the telephone and a subsequent email. This occurred in spring 2000. I received the story mm. December 2000. That's all from mm-hmm. BigfootEncounters.com. So what do you think? Does it have Squatch vibes or no? It does. I mean, behaviorally, if you want to accept that. Um, sure. The quality of a naturally stealthy, if large, bipedal ape. Mm-hmm. Something that is, despite its description and size, very, let's just take it as very intelligent upright and able to go oh something's coming let me just sneak behind this tree here and sort of scurry around and it is very consistent that setting description with many 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 of the accounts where someone's like oh some guy with a big jacket on what the hell am i looking at right now (laughs) what is going on oh it's already gone so all that kind of jives one thing that really stands out to me though is the apparent overlap here with the hide behind Uh, for listeners who are unfamiliar the hide behind is one of many Truly wonderful monsters known as fearsome critters of the Lumberwoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a very fun look into several of those in episode 74, if you want to check it out. They're basically just tall tales told by lumberjacks and, and stuff in in the early days of uh, white Lumberjacking. settler. Yeah. And the hide behind in particular is a thing that lurks in the trees just out of sight and is able to perfectly hide itself behind any tree trunk when you turn to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uses this method to get so goddamn close that you ever seeing its approach... Until it's too late. 
the Wood Devils seem to do a similar thing, but they differ by being a little more timid at times, mm-hmm. by screaming, and also by having <laughs> been actually seen by a couple people before. Mm-hmm. One thing that kind of sets it off from being particularly squatch sounding is uh, what it looks like from the only eyewitness sketch I could find. Ugh. <laughs> that is surprisingly upsetting, I have to Isn't say. It? It's pretty awful. I might make this a thumbnail for this week. <laughs> That that is unenjoyable to yeah, it just, behold. It's kind of like sort of sinister looking weird, just creepy smile. Descri- what, how do you describe it? So we have a pencil drawing of on it's two panels. On one, they've done sort of a close up of the shoulders and head. And the other, they've done a full profile, which I like these because for me, this tells me whether this person made this up or not. They're really trying. <laughs> There's something about this that they just have to capture for you. <laughs> because why draw the second picture if you've already got the creepy part in? You know what I mean? They're clearly wanting to show you, look, where the hands land. Mm-hmm. Look at how it's proportioned to the knees and the feet. The face is actually very, very reminiscent for me of something that I'd like to cover again in a future episode, which is Australia's rampant yaoi experiences mm-hmm. going on. That country, that continent, dealing with a ton of... Yows. But the face looks almost cartoonishly spooky. It's like a very wide mouth, almost kind of like looks snouty, like a dog mouth. Yeah, because it's going like ear to ear, but there are no visible ears. It's just like way too much mouth and a kind of unsettling smile sort of look, just kind of glaring dead eyed into the quote unquote camera. (laughs) But the arm proportions ring true. I don't know. It would have to be a very... But the overall body build is... Svelte doesn't even do it compared to the proportions these things are supposed to have if we're going to consider it even a even a genus of globally distributed large ape. And I mean, you know, I think back to the... The Almasti? The Almasti video. Yeah, that one was very cool. That one had me. I was like, that looks like an actual straight up ape just hopping through the woods. Exactly. And you're like, this... It's not where the ape is supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it way too far north. And just very big. <laughs> but yeah, this looks like it could easily just be someone's nightmare that they have uh, committed to the... The page. Yes. Yes. So generally just a weird, creepy kind of kind of creature that is a little different. Yeah, and they, there have been stories of them going back into the 19th century from various people going up there. Right. Some accounts in the 30s that were pretty big. And then these, these stories are from slightly more recently but all equally strange there are some like a lot of stuff people try and i think back it up by saying oh it sounds like these particular native stories and there's there are some abenaki traditions that have Mm. a sort of half man half animal creature that stalks the woods in that same Mm -hmm. general area that that people have likened to this as well but Mm -hmm. um the weird thing about it's very specific to not just that general area of new england but that county in particular so that Mm -hmm. makes it a little more unique Here's here's uh, one more story I wanted to hit you with. This time from oh, GC yeah. Bro. Oh, excuse me, the GCBRO, or uh, our Gulf <laughs> Coast Bigfoot Research Organization. Oh, uh, after seems kind of out of their jurisdiction, but what do I know? I thought that was Great Calves Bro, <laughs> who I follow on it might YouTube. Be. Oh, one thing I do actually know is that their website is a thing to behold. Ooh. <laughs> This is, is why Bigfoot Research cannot get nice things. <laughs> Just read the header. What's the header? Like it's <laughs> all cap. Each word is capitalized. The letters are not all capitalized, but every word is written as though it were a formal or proper noun. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Gulf Coast Bigfoot Research Organization website. And then they have research, scientific, dedicated, factual, yeah. friendly, professional. Yeah, and purple and like purplish, pinkish, purple and greenish. And- I'm about to be abducted green. <laughs> That's right. Which the main body text of the whole site is that specific green, which is so common in just paranormal uh, websites Bullshit in general. Bullshit-ass websites. Black background, horrendous green text, and uh, and you're good to go. Oh, man, guys. <laughs> um, so this account it occurred in 2004 in Coas County in semi-dense woods. The witness was hunting in early November, and it was cold and snowing. The witness Ooh. says, We headed into the woods at about 5 a.m. This was during deer hunting season. 
We thought that this was going to be the year that we finally got that trophy buck, but we were in for a surprise. As we got to our spot under a big white spruce tree on a hillside, the ground was snow covered. We sat there and waited for the sun to rise so we could load our Browning 30-06 rifles. It's the first time I've ever actually seen that written out. I never really knew what that, I, I don't know, I know nothing about guns, but it's 30-06. I was like, oh, oh that's okay, that's how that's written. Anyway, <laughs> right before so the time pure. came for us to load our rifles, we noticed a strange noise about 100 yards ahead of us. It was almost like a high-pitched yell slash squeal. That sounds right. We looked over, and walking from behind a bush, we saw a dark figure that stood about six or seven feet tall with a long, pointy head. Me and my grandfather stood there in awe. We had never seen anything like it in our 25 years of hunting in the area. We were very frightened by the creature, so we did not Pretty attempt to get grandpa. any closer. Huh? Just being stupid going. Um, but we watched it walk away. As it walked down the, uh, down the ridge, we were in shock. After it was out of sight, we waited about 10 minutes to collect our thoughts and decided whether what we just saw was real or if the cold was getting to us. Mm-hmm. To prove we hadn't lost our minds, we decided to go see if the creature had left any footprints. Guess what? It did. <laughs> we walked over to where we saw it pass through, and there were footprints approximately 15 to 18 inches long with a stride of about 4 to 6 feet. There's no way any human could have made those impressions. Mm-hmm. Right then and there, me and my grandfather decided to call it a day, and we have not been back to the hunting spot since. But this year, we plan to go back and search all winter for the mysterious creature in hopes that we may capture another glimpse of him and maybe even a still shot. Since in 2005, I think, that they reported this, they were never heard from again. They were never heard from again, right? Oh, geez. Not on that website anyway. <laughs> so I don't think they found anything afterward. But uh, consistent with huh. general kind of Sasquatch sort of vibes, but also consistent with what people are saying for what the wood devils look like as far as weird tall thin gray and uh having large feet but people often specify that they don't seem like bigfoot right right in this instance they could have gone either way with their description and they did report it to a bigfoot website but mm-hmm. yeah you don't know interesting yeah. yeah so as far as possible explanations um any, anything come to mind for you other than just being uh Sasquatch? i mean that or just the old heebie-jeebies slash uh what was it called again the misty projection. Oh, a Brock Inspector. A Brock. In- I haven't even considered the idea of a Brock Inspector. That would make sense, like early morning hunting and stuff. Like that could totally happen. I wouldn't exactly. be surprised if a similar effect could happen if there's like sun shining through. Like sometimes when it's snowing, you can ha- still have sort of sun shining through parts of it, and it makes for a really cool glow everywhere. Everything's kind of golden. It's very nice. But you could either easily have a weird shadow casting up ahead of you, which would look quite strange very strange exactly and his proportions are probably kind of weird and thin and stuff too mm-hmm. but yeah as is often the case with sightings reported by hunters it's kind of shitty to just shut down their descriptions and say nah it's just a bear or something because you'd think people who spend all their time in the woods would know a thing or two about things in the woods exactly they have theoretically seen far more forest animals than you or i typically would even as wildlife biologists correct but, as I believe I've mentioned a couple of times on this show before, I have been not only to Coas County, but deep into its backwoods, actively searching for some large, elusive animals. That was moose. I was looking for moose. That's right. I'll link to the video I made from that mini expedition so folks can see just how dense the trees actually do get. There's a couple of different shots I got. I'm just, it's, it's tough going up there and stuff, and the trees oh, yeah. grow so close together in some spots, and it's really hard to see what's on the other side of those trees at different times be very easy to see something in the distance and not know what it is in fact there are a couple shots there's a few i did fuck up in the final edit of that video it makes me sad there were some really nice close-up shots of a cow and her calf super cute little baby moose and the mom and they were really really good shots those were given to us from one of the members of the Pekins lab who we were interviewing he gave us that footage and i had given credit on the first um, shot of that say oh this is credit go to jay whatever his last name is and then the subsequent ones just you know are the same stuff but then in editing it, i ended up moving the shot that i had first to be like i think much later on so the credit mm-hmm. doesn't appear to like two or three shots into it so nope. like, oh now it looks like i'm tr- claiming credit for shots i didn't take oh no oops oh, well. but i will say the first shot of the moose um kind of looking back at the camera and then turning around and just sort of wandering off i did get that one and yeah. the one i wanted to point out here is one of a moose walking in the distance behind some trees and then turning around walking the other way and you just kind of see it barely between the trees now i shot that 
with a 4K camera, like a really nice uh, Sony FS5, if anyone cares, hmm. with a, I think, a 400 millimeter zoom lens hmm. and barely managed to get it to, so I, because it was 4K, I, it's, I edited it in 1080, so it's doubled in size yet again beyond how much I was able to zoom to get it to look as big as it does in the video. So with the naked eye, I just saw a dark shape moving like 50, 75 yards up ahead of me through some trees right. and pointed the camera at it and managed to get the shot. So if you're out there, you don't have this really, really nice zoom lens to see what's up ahead of you. You see something <laughs> moving. It'd be very, very easy to have no idea what it is. Just make out a general shape moving. If the trees have very narrow slits between them and the thing happens to move in a certain way, you might think it's a really, really thin, tall thing moving between them. That's true. So as boring as it may be, my my instinctive explanation is that the wood devils are part folklore, part misidentification of real animals in a remote area with this open wilderness and tons of room for your imagination to fill in the gaps. I would agree. I think um, my playful alternative hypothesis is that by the same token... You can be in an area that is functionally riddled with moose, an animal that is massive, and you'll never see them. We were tracking moose that they had tagged early in the season with radio collars, and we're tracking their actual radio signals. We knew where they were. We're trying to get to them, and still, I only saw like the one moose that whole day we were tracking them. The, other, the moose at the beginning of the video we saw on the side of the road, just like at a salt lick. I'm like, oh, cool, there's one. Got a video of it, but then the only other one we saw was early in the morning we tracked it to about close enough to see that it was there and that was it and the right. rest of the day of the three or four different parties of people all tracking different moose with radio collars we didn't see them so that gives me the playful part of my mind <laughs> a, a piece of huh which is if you then have something that is tree shaped roughly shaggy not something your brain is used to seeing mm -hmm. and wants to hide very actively in extremely backwoodsy areas who knows? That's true. Could eat. Could easily go either way. What's going to eat? Lumberjacks? <laughs> Bark? Little, little of both? Little of both? Yeah. Make a, make a lumberjack sandwich? <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Moose. Spooky stories. It's very easy to uh, get it in your head that you're being followed in the woods if you just think oh, about yeah. it. I was actually on a hike earlier today, and I was thinking it would be a fun project. Maybe someone's already done this to set up an experiment where you have people walk along a trail doing something as part of what they think is the actual project. Mm -hmm. But in some groups, you tell them, oh, and you know, people think they've seen or heard something in here. It's probably nothing, but we just wanted to let you know. And other mm -hmm. groups are just like, yeah, go do the thing. And then see what they fill out on some sort of like self-assessment at the end. And almost guaranteed, the group that you prime is going to be like, yeah, it kind of did feel like there was something out there following me. No totally. shit. Be even cooler if you had uh, a third group who you didn't tell anything to, and oh. did actually follow them from a distance. Turns out there is some ghoul in the woods. <laughs> right. Oh fuck! So you have someone, you have someone who's being primed with something that's that is there but isn't actually there. Another group right. that's like a control that's not being told anything and nothing's following <laughs> them. And then a third where they're actually being followed by someone in a costume or something that is who they'll great. probably never actually see, but and then maybe kind of think is there and see if they say anything. Ooh, that's good. I, oh, I want to do this. We need funding. Okay. NSF. Yeah, right. Hook us Got up. Right. Ooh, actually, yeah, NSF grant. Oh, we, uh, we do have a standing invitation to get help applying for grants from a listener, so we should. Oh, yeah, we do, that. don't we? It's <laughs> yes. true. That'd be kind of fun. I don't think we're going to have any luck, even with, with some really uh, helpful expertise there, but maybe they'll offer try. retro pay. I wonder if it'll work as well as our GoFundMe for our trip to Scotland that one time. <laughs> yeah, for our luxury, I mean, research cruise. I mean, expedition that's the one yeah. i don't even know if that ever actually happened they changed the schedule it. on so many things i don't even know if they did it oh well even in its initial proposition it seemed half-baked and kind of goofy at most half-baked exactly <laughs> they barely finished mixing the uh the dough <laughs> or perhaps batter i don't know if it's a cake or a bread yeah it's true that is that is a good question actually anyone out there who can write in and let us know <laughs> is is ideas bread is ideas bread or cake or bagel <laughs> which of course is even more bread isn't that like boiled first and then baked oh yes we just made bagels today my man damn you just have all these references to the things that you've already done today hiked bageled hide behind hid hide behind, behind a door earlier hid, hid behind i guess <laughs> yeah hid behind 
Anyway, that's what I got this week. And I do believe when you're experiencing a hide behind, it is a hidden behind. <laughs> that's true. Um, very cool, man. I enjoy that very much. Cool. So this this one goes out to Amy Clausen, listener, possible heiress to the famous Pickle Fortune, and <laughs> honorary friend of the show. As a fellow masshole, Amy was, of course, justifiably interested in some more Massachusetts-based content. That mass tent. And her request explicitly marked the perfect occasion for me to jump into what is, and maybe it's just me, but in my personal opinion, one of the scariest shapes of all, a Bridgewater Triangle. <laughs> but yes, uh, you ever heard of the Bridgewater Triangle, Jake? Uh, maybe in passing. I don't. I definitely remember it from the email itself. I don't know anything about what actually is supposed to occur within it. Nice. All right. Um, so yeah, at a glance, and for anyone out there who has never heard of this, this is, of course, the less sexy, more cranberry Massachusetts version of the Bermuda Triangle, <laughs> uh, which is to say it's a roughly 200 square mile, 520K, region of southeastern Massachusetts in which strange things seem to happen almost on the daily and mm. if charted on a map as you may have guessed is triangle is triangle I believe this may have come up uh, about a thousand years ago when I was talking about puck wudgies oh maybe that's why it sounds vaguely familiar that was yes. quite a while ago quite a while ago that was but, episode um, I to... 17 I want to say wow huckleberry hellhound I only remember it because we've we've conjured it to mind so many times because I really like that the, episode. The delightful quality of the content that was found. <laughs> a rare gem. Oh, man. Uh, if you haven't heard it, folks, please listen to that one. It is real good. Wyatt's segment in particular. The kind of story that you find almost like a very precious stone that will do nothing but make you money at some point <laughs> that you still want to hold on to despite the fact that it ultimately will be sold. So I went ahead and sold it. Um... <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I've yet to really jump into the subject of the Bridgewater Triangle. So without further ado, <laughs> welcome to what is the Bridgewater Triangle <laughs> is spooky. <laughs> yes, Jake, listeners at home, I'm making you all work twice as hard today. Uh, there's so much New England flavored weirdness in this place that I've turned it into a tiny game show. Oh, wow. <laughs> of which, win, lose, or draw, you will be crowned the champion. And what's the... Wait, that's great to know, but was the title of the game show, What is the Bridgewater Triangle is Spooky? Uh, what is the Bridgewater Triangle so spooky? Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so I'll give you a prompt... And four possible answers, slash probably more than that. <laughs> and then give some details on the correct answer. If you okay. get them all right, you win. Great. But all right. If you get any of them wrong, oh, no. <laughs> you win. Ooh. Number one. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. Dun -dun. Right. The Bridgewater Triangle is dominated by the Hockamock Swamp, an objectively spooky and vast wetland. The name of which means what? A. Place of shifting waters. B. Place where ancients rest. C. Place where spirits dwell. D. Place of moving earth. Hmm. Let's see. Trying to think of what. Hard to do without looking, I'm sure. Yeah. I'll put them in the chat. Okay. You have only five seconds left. But it hasn't appeared yet in the chat. Oh, no. Four. Three. I'm going to go with A. Two. <laughs> one. Oh, they appeared as you say one. They finally show up. <laughs> what do you choose? I choose A. <laughs> Wrong. Uh. C, place where spirits dwell. Oh. First Nations peoples named this area Hakamak, the Algonquin term meaning place where spirits dwell. It was for them a place rich in both natural resources and sacred protocol, a burial ground for the Wampanoag. There are many contemporary stories and legends that have become associated with the swamp over the years, but its ominous vibe evidently extends back to the Wampanoag as well, who worshipped the feared Habamak, 
the chief deity of death and disease. Hmm. Habamak was composed of an aggregation of human souls from those that had died and was known to hang around in areas like the Hakamak. So, kind of spooky. And yeah. set the table pretty hard, I'd imagine, for that being a scary spot. Yeah. And as much as it may be a place of terror for some, Hakamak is first and foremost an amazing ecosystem, most of it mercifully untouched by development. The swamp's environment is part of the northeastern coastal forests ecoregion and is home to 13 rare and endangered species of plant and animal, including the Long's Bulrush, Ringed Bog Hunter Dragonfly, Gypsy Wart, Blanding's Turtle, Round-Fruited False Loosestrafe, Two-Flowered Bladderwort, Blue-Spotted Salamander, Spotted Turtle, Mystic Valley Amphipod, Chain Fern Borer Moth, Plymouth Gentian, Eastern Box Turtle, and, of course, come on, Barn Owl, <laughs> number two. Must have choose one of those? Yes. A through, uh, <laughs> what, N? I th- something like the that. Bridgewater Triangle contains the entirety of the city of Taunton. One of Taunton's claims to fame is Dighton Rock, a 40-ton boulder noted for what? A, its bizarre petroglyphs. B. Its strange and atypical geologic composition. C. Its unusual odor. Or D. All of the above. Damn it. Fucking all of the above option. I'm gonna go for for D. All of the above. Wrong! God damn it. It's bizarre petroglyphs. Uh... That bitch is covered in weird character shapes and forms. <laughs> in 1690, Reverend Cotton Mather. That motherfucker. Described the rock in his book, The Wonderful Works of God Commemorated, writing, Among the other curiosities of New England is that one of a mighty rock on a perpendicular side whereof by a river, which at high tide covers part of it. I don't know why I'm from Louisiana now. Yeah, that's a weird thing. There for are <laughs> very deeply engraved, no man alive knows how or when, about half a score lines, near 10 foot long, and a foot and a half broad, filled with strange characters, which would suggest as odd thoughts about them that were here before us, as there are odd shapes in that elaborate monument. And this is what it looks like. Sounds like a, a genuine Puritan. What are we seeing, Jake? I'm seeing uh, engravings on a rock. We got a little. Uh, let me just open this up so I can see it bigger. Uh, oh, great, same, great additional detail. Same thing as last time. Uh, same size picture, but a big blurry version of it behind it. Great, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this chat function. We got uh, a few different shape symbols, but we have some depictions of people. One who kind of has a generally um, kite-shaped body, maybe. Uh, some zigzags. Looks like it says orphan over there. It does. Kind of reminds me of uh, season two of Twin Peaks, the cave they go into. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, you can see the Twin Peaks symbol right there in the middle part. Kind of slightly to the left. Looks, I think, looks like the uh, thing that was in that. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, this rock is a key to finding the White Lodge. There you have it. Wild array of patterns and shapes. Some appear to resemble Latin letters. At least three human-like figures. Discernible eyes and mouths. Sweet of hypotheses about who created the carvings and why, from indigenous peoples of North America to the ancient Phoenicians, Norse, Portuguese, and most recently, and perhaps controversially, Chinese. Mm -hmm. Uh, They perhaps signify something otherworldly, and perhaps are nothing more than a very old version of the cool or Stussy S, (laughs) drawn on the earliest form of notebook, the common boulder. Number three. (laughs) Rich wetlands and strange stones are, of course, just the backdrop to much more bizarre elements within the Bridgewater Triangle. True or false? Oh, sorry. True or false, yeah. (laughs) Including which of the following? Hmm. A. All of the below. (laughs) B. Bigfoot. C. Thunderbird. D. Puckwudgie. E. Dover Demon. F. Ghost Suck Penis. Just ghost. I'm going with Dover Demon. It was A, all of them below. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ask the right or perhaps wrong person, and you will evidently be regaled with a strange story of almost any kind in Bridgewater. Triangle. 
and some <laughs> folks are dead serious. Take, for instance, a recounting by former news reporters Jerry Lopes and Steve Spraya, who were interviewed for a special on the Bridgewater Triangle. I'm quoting both from a local TV news feature covering their story, which aired some years back and can be seen on YouTube. Hmm. Back in 1979, news outlets and agencies were consistently flooded with reports of large and low-flying UFOs. During that time, local news reporters Jerry Lopes and Steve Spraya claimed to have witnessed what is arguably the most famous UFO sighting to occur within the Bridgewater Triangle. They recounted their events in a Channel 5 news segment some years back. Ah, they said that in this segment. I'm not repeating myself. (laughs) Quote, Jerry and I work at WHDH Radio, and we were heading down to the the Raynham Dog Track. And when we get off Route 24 onto 106, I noticed this really bright light over the tree line. Also, just for the record, I am kind of merging both of their quotes into one okay. sort of a Cronenberg monster. <laughs> uh, really bright light over the tree line. The light was coming closer and closer and getting bigger and bigger. And I remember saying to Jerry, hey, try a bite of this sandwich. <laughs> Of course. What is that over there? So he pulled his vehicle over, and all of a sudden, the stars blotted out in the shape of an arrow as this thing passed overhead. It looked like a baseball home plate, and there were a series of lights on it. It was very, very wide, perhaps the width of maybe five 747s wing to wing. It looked like it had a little cord or something hanging off it, and sparks were coming off of it. I almost felt like I could throw a rock at the thing. It seemed so close to me. This was pretty much the shape of it, and he holds up a black panel, uh, which looks just kind of like, as he described, like a stretched out home plate or maybe the back panel of a traditional birdhouse, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So you've got your sort of angle and then just sort of a rectangle down. Yeah. And this thing passed overhead like this. He moves the panel over his head, kind of swoosh. For me, what first attracted me was this. He clicks on a flashlight and holds it under the panel, aiming it aiming both at the camera. So it's like the point is coming our way and the light is below it shining out. Hmm. This light that kind of came into our field of vision just like that. And as this thing passed overhead, it just kept coming and coming and coming. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. (laughs) Jake? (laughs) I'm an Air Force veteran in the Air Force for four and a half years. I've been around a number of different planes. I said to Steve, that's not one of ours. And it just hovered there for a minute. It looked like it was over a little bit of a field. And next thing you know, it just kind of took off. We, cont- we continued on to the dog track, and most of the conversation that evening was, what did we see? Up to that point, I had been 100% skeptic. I thought anybody who ever saw these things, that they were either crazy or publicity hounds, or there was just something wrong with them in their head altogether. What I didn't realize at the time was that a lot more people had seen it than just Jerry and I. Interestingly, over the next uh, over the course of the next week, there were a series of different sightings. It was reported in the papers, on the radio station, and at that point, Steve and I decided to come forward and say, hey, we actually saw something too. Kind of a cool tale. Yeah. Number four, in addition to the already too long list of spooky things that one can find in and around the Bridgewater Triangle, are which of the following? A. Satanic cults. B. Native American curses, C. Animal mutilations, D. Murderers and molesters, E. All of the above. Uh, all of the above. Yes. Yeah. That- all of these things can also be yours if you move <laughs> anywhere near a place that is, if these things be true, about as dangerous as a melted-down nuclear reactor. <laughs> so how do we explain it, Jake? Uh, what? That's a very open-ended question. Who knows how many accounts are actually true? Some strange stories, such as the Dighton Rock and another called Solitude Stone, are physically verifiable curios out of history. Others, like the UFO account, are compelling, but ultimately anecdotal. And in many ways, I think this dichotomy is the core of the Bridgewater Triangle's enchantment. Mm. It has the trappings of the strange, complete with the props and diverse, and in some cases, very old legends. And it is, for many people, right in their backyard. Mm. So much like the purportedly haunted or cursed objects, if something even the slightest bit weird happens in or around the Bridgewater Triangle, 
We're compelled to take it as further evidence that the tales are true hmm. rather than just some other strange thing is going on in nature and happens to be in southeastern mass. Yeah. And that's fine fun. And I think we can all agree that's what is the Bridgewater so spooky. Thank you <laughs> for playing. <laughs> the end. Did I win? Oh, you won, buddy. Uh, oh, awesome. Uh, I needed this. You have to collect your prize in person, and <sighs> your prize is you open me a bank account in Canada. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, very much like the uh, more famous triangle uh, quite a way south of it, the Bridgewater Triangle sounds like it really just is a huge case of confirmation bias where if a thing is happening there, you attribute it to the fact that it is there that is why it's happening. There you go. Yeah, it's stuff I hadn't heard of and very interesting to learn about. That's all I got. Cool. Well, I think it's a very successful uh, beginning of our, our 50 states project. I do believe so. God forbid we even get anywhere near seeing its actual name. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. it takes a little time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, there's nothing left to do but uh, shout out a certain little place. Well due west of the Bridgewater Triangle, <laughs> but no less spooky. That, of course, is a brewery known as... A Four Phantoms. Phantoms. Jake, what, what's Four Phantoms going to do for us today? Uh, they're going to give us beer. And what's in that beer? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, heavy metal, and beer. There's not much more to say. <laughs> Buy their beer. It's delicious. You can find it in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Any places that sell beer, you can probably find it there. You can also arrange to pick it up curbside. You email them. We have the contact info in our descriptions every time. And uh, not long from now, hopefully, you can go Ooh, there yeah, in baby. person. Be very cool. And if you don't want beer, but you do want merch to represent a place you've never had beer from, they are now <laughs> selling merch as well. So It's cool looking merch, it. so it's worth doing. I mean, it's it's aesthetically pleasing so <laughs> and if nothing uh, else the very least you can do is leave them a nice review on untapped and just uh be supportive in that way so thank you very much for phantoms they're supporting the show and we love them and uh we also want to thank uh, an individual person who also helps support the show in a segment called oh there's no music for this one appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk yes. slash pander function did you already say that jake i did not so i'm gonna turn on the machine here here we go so this is of course is the ncaa device that we created slash summoned out of uh, another realm about three years ago now four i think two. Oh my god i actually don't well, really know though so one human year and then three thousand pandemic years ago yes <laughs> And this, of course, is a very special computer, for lack of a better descriptive term, mm -hmm. that we can plug into our brains. Let's do that now. Here we go. That's good. And this will allow us to calculate through the dark ether which mm -hmm. uh, creature, cryptid, whatever it might be, our Patreon patrons need to personally be on the lookout for. And today, we are thanking James, James of Fort, Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Florida. Yeah, which I think the FL stands for Fort Lauderdale. James for Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale. James, be wary lest you encounter the Quagga. It, is, it was a plains zebra that lived in South Africa until becoming extinct late in the 19th century. So you may not have to worry too much. It was long thought to be a distinct species. But early genetic studies have supported it being a subspecies of plains zebra. Uh, a more recent study suggests that it was merely the southernmost ecotype of the species. However, if you ever do hear the sound quahaha, <laughs> you may be in trouble, as that noise, which is its call, is where it got its name. And probably means you are being stalked by a ghost zebra ecotype. Which is even more scary because you can only see half of it at any given time. <laughs> Uh, uh, it it has the stripes on one half and, and does not on the other half. So that's why that would be particularly dangerous in groups <laughs> of its own kind. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else on here that seems interesting to mention? Quagga. It was real. It's dead now. Don't worry about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. <laughs> Thank you. We do love you for it. Yes. And we love all of our patrons very much. Every single patron, regardless of their level of support, even a dollar, will 
get a chance every episode to have their Cryptodor creature calculated by the NCAA, which we should turn off. And uh, yeah, if you want to uh, help support the show at any level, you'll get all kinds of neat little rewards. We have, um, oh yeah, you know, obviously the pander function is is one that everyone gets. You also get uh, digital rewards at a higher level and uh, merch discounts at a higher level. Still, speaking of merch, you can you can buy that from our store if you want to just have some cool swag. I want to thank Smerch. Emma again for being the number one purchaser of all of our stuff. Oh my god, we got to have them back on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of fun designs there that I think you'll really like. It helps support us by um, getting the image of the show out there. We really Indeed. don't profit off of that so much. It's, we're basically buying it at cost, so uh, we, uh, we we think you like it, though. Oh, yeah. Other than that, if you don't have the money to spare or just don't like us enough to spend money on us but do like us enough to want us to feel better about ourselves, you can leave a review <laughs> for free on any... Any podcast app, in particular Apple Podcasts, would be the one that gets the most visibility. Oh yeah, that would be the one. Lastly, of course, the the cause of the week is uh, obviously Texas. So I'm going to post. I'm going to try and make a big list of possible mutual aid things you can support. I'm putting together some now. I'm going to just keep putting it together and just put them all in one spot so you can find ways you can help support folks who are really suffering down there. Climate change is fucking shit up, and so are yes. politicians who don't care about other people but do care about profiting off of fossil fuel companies so yeah if we can mm-hmm. help them out any way we can that would be really really wonderful oh man that'd be awesome yes thank you very much jake and thank you all for listening yeah we will be back hopefully next week already i think we're currently in a place where i think that's pace, possible yeah. <laughs> so, so uh yeah we'll hopefully see you next week until then <sighs> goodbye, goodbye.